ideas are everywhere. Welcome to Lessons Learned in Marketing, the Phoenix Group Podcast. Today, Kevin Hayes speaks with Kelsey Fraser of the Saskatoon Police Service. Enjoy the conversation. So, Kelsey, uh, who are you and what do you do? Um, well, my name is Kelsey Fraser. I am a graduate of Mount Royal University's public relations program in Calgary, Alberta. Um, after I graduated from there, I worked a year uh, for Conan Wolf, a public relations agency in Calgary, mostly oil and gas, uh, before accepting a position with the police service here in Saskatoon. Um, I took that position in 2012, and if you fast forward six years, I'm obviously still here, and I'm still very much fascinated by um, the world of law enforcement and the communications aspect of it. I grew up always having kind of this innate curiosity whenever I saw a police car, like wondering where it was going or who it was going to help, and now it never occurred to me. I never had any inclination to become a police officer or anything like that, but it also never occurred that there were other jobs in that industry. So I feel very fortunate now to be able to be on this this side of things. Mm. And so you're responsible then for communicating with the public, is that fair? Yes, that's part of my role. Um, so, and I, I also wanted to clarify too, because it gets a bit confusing in in the world of law enforcement. Um, communications, typically in my world, means um, when you call nine one one, you reach communications. So, just to clarify, and I probably should have said that before we started, but communications versus public affairs. I use public affairs. Um, and that's the department or the section of the service that I'm in. I assist with traditional media relations, the writing news releases, conducting interviews, organizing interviews. But then on top of that, I also um, kind of run the social media side of things, so our online presence. Um, and that's one of my primary responsibilities for when I was hired. And that's, um, that's where I'm at right now. Oh, excellent. And uh, tell us a little bit about what it's like to um, communicate with the, uh, or do public affairs with the uh, residents of uh, Saskatoon from a, uh, what what is your strategy to talk to them and what do you, what do you talk to them about and uh, how do they respond to having um, the service uh, available uh, on social media? Okay, so I guess before I answer that, I'd like to pose a question to you, Kevin, (laughs) in wondering who markets the police service or who markets police services. Um, Interesting. Uh, I would assume that the uh, citizens are uh, big for word-of-mouth marketing. Um, and then the uh, police service markets themselves uh, through community events, through how they deal with the public uh, in incidences. Um, and then, of course, at the higher level, you would have um, the chief of police uh, who probably gets the most public-facing time uh, out of the a police service uh, doing your doing marketing of sorts, um, maybe not traditionally, but through his uh, public appearances. Does that sound right? Yeah, that's absolutely right. But on top of that, um, my answer when I ask this question, what I tell people, is it's something that we're always 
trying to combat. And that's our biggest marketer is Hollywood. Oh, interesting. So we are constantly dealing with the CSI effect, solving a homicide in 47 minutes, um, having all these really cool technology-based evidence um, gathering techniques that people think actually exist and can help us do our jobs. So that's one thing that from a communications or a public affairs standpoint that we're, you know, we have to consider in our communications. Um, I guess going back to your question about, you know, how do we communicate with the citizens of Saskatoon? Um, I'd start a bit with our history, I suppose, and that it's no secret that our service has um, has some history. But that tide really started to turn um, probably about 12 or 13 years ago when my supervisor was hired, Allison Edwards. And she did um, incredible things to change the services relationship, mostly with our local media here um, in a traditional sense. And then when I was hired, I brought in the social aspect. We had established accounts when I had hired when I was hired, but they were very one dimensional. And so my first priority was making them two way communications tool Um, from a communications perspective. That's a that's a pro, right? It's. it's people were very quick to start recognizing that they were that we were here and willing to talk to them. I remember sending my first tweet out and introducing myself and it was like, I don't know, people were just absolutely in shock and awe about it. Um, you know, on the other side, though, from an operational side, being and having that online presence, people tend to think that it's another option to reporting crime. So uh-huh. it, it's a back and forth that way. So what has been one of the most positive outcomes of taking, uh, moving from a one-dimensional to a a two-way communication model uh, for the Saskatoon Police Service? I think it's been just that dialogue and communication that's been able to happen. I like to say that social media is a bit of a police scanner for the digital world. Mm. Um, People always had that... Uh, you know, and I said it about myself earlier, that innate curiosity about, you know, what's happening, uh, where is that police car going with their lights and sirens, um, you know, why do I see police, ambulance and fires at my neighbor's house, you know, real, if their first question is usually, is, am I safe, is my family safe, and then the second question is, well, what's going on? Um So now more than ever, they have the tools and ability to ask those questions. From a communications perspective, it's a balance of, you know, what do they um, what do they want to know versus what do they need to know? You know, that police car at your neighbor's house could be doing a next of kin notification. So does a neighbor really have the right to know that sort of information? Mm-hmm. And so you have uh, an interesting issue of people perhaps taking to Twitter to report a crime, which I'm guessing is not the right uh, venue to do that. Um, yeah. And um, uh, and then people can engage with you, the public can engage with you and ask about questions and, you know, where's the smoke coming from or what are all the police cars doing in my uh, building or uh, anything yeah. like that. Um, from your standpoint, from the uh, 
police service standpoint, what are your objectives in communicating with the the public through these digital channels? And and is is this a reactive thing, or do you uh, do you have proactive uh, content calendars or specific goals when it comes to uh, that two way dialogue? Uh, absolutely, we have. Uh, well, I have. Um, I'm very old school, even though everything is done online for the most part. I have a little day timer that sits on my desk, and I plan out my year. Actually, in my old office, because we moved buildings in 2014, I took one of those big desk calendars with the month, and I taped them all to my wall. I ripped them off, and I put sticky notes all over them. Um... And that was my content calendar. And if I couldn't get to one thing, I'd move the sticky note to the next week and tackle it then. it was So I like to be very hands-on with my planning. Obviously, being a police service, we also have a very real reactive response. Um, and that's something that can't be understated. And, you know, personally, I really... <laughs> I really have this thing for crisis communications, so I I quite enjoy when something comes in and it's that first, you know, couple hours of figuring out what's going on and talking to the media and assuring the public. Um, That's, I I really enjoy that aspect of my job. Oh, wow. That's, that's interesting. Um, The, uh, I imagine, uh, as you've just uh, mentioned that, there, there's just a non-stop flood of things you have to react to and uh, criminals never take a break and there's always issues happening or there's always crisis happening and so you really have to be on the ball when it comes to um, receiving that information, figuring out what the, the public needs to know, media needs to know and can, can you talk about, a bit about that process and, and how that works? Absolutely. And, you know, a perfect example is um, an incident that happened yesterday. We had um, a student report that he saw a man with a firearm in a park near a school. So you're not only dealing with that public safety concern, but you also have multiple stakeholders involved. So you've got schools and you've got the city and police. You've got different units within the police service from our school resource officers to our general patrol officers. And it's, it's navigating um, the communication surrounding that when you have to consider all of those different stakeholders. Mm. So is there um, a, a protocol or um, have you guys adopted any um, crisis management um, frameworks that – could help us understand or help anybody understand who's in the crisis communications world, um, how to evaluate and communicate with all the different stakeholders? You know, we don't have anything put on paper necessarily. Mm. Um, It's kind of something that when we see it on a regular basis, it's ingrained in us to do. And so it's, you know, your first steps are, are gathering as much information as you can, um, getting in front of a camera and delivering those messages, being up front. And what we really rely on here or, or fall back on is explaining processes. So even though we don't have a ton of information right off the bat, we can say, okay, and you know what? Now we're going to be looking for surveillance images. Um, if anybody has something like that, please mm. get a hold of um, it. Will, if, 
it could go to this unit to investigate or this unit to investigate or this unit. It just helps fill that um, vacuum of wanting to know more information. Um, So I guess in terms of crisis communications, that's, that's a point to make is even if you don't have the information that's there, talk about your processes and next steps and um, help kind of fill that vacuum of information that the media is ultimately going to want. Yeah. And so when you're uh, communicating and with the audio or with the public, um, you said something interesting uh, just now about um, you'll throw the, does anybody have any surveillance video or has anybody seen anything? Is this the new way to kind of, uh, or an evolution of how you'd quote unquote canvas the neighborhood is by using your social channels? And what is the response when you throw out the, we need this? Has anybody seen that on social media? Um, you know, there are times when it works great. And there are times when it doesn't. Um, we use our social media to identify or try to identify people involved in crimes. And a few months ago, we had posted a picture of two people that were breaking in and stealing mail uh, from apartment mailboxes. And within five minutes of posting that picture, we had one of them identified Wow! Uh, through social media. So from an operational side of things, it can be extremely beneficial. Um, in terms of whether we're soliciting that surveillance, you know, a lot of it is still boots to the ground, officers going door to door asking, do you have video cameras? Um, because part of that is, is we need to cover all of those bases. If we get it in through social media, I guess that's one less door we have to knock on. Right. Interesting. What, um, so how is... Uh, communications change in your six years with the uh, Saskatoon Police Service? Um, well, I think uh, I mentioned when Allison started, she did a lot of like incredible work to change our relationship with media. And our chief at the time did incredible work to change our relationship with the community. Um, and I think as a communicator, we recognize that the more you, the more you deliver to people, the more their expectations grow. So by setting a bar that Allison did was great. And then when I was hired, we raised that bar even further. And so we we saw more media requests. I think last year we had something like almost 800 media requests or interviews or comments or anything like that. And so handling that between two of us <laughs> is incredibly wow. demanding. But we've kind of done that to ourselves in a in a both proactive and reactive way, right? So now uh, last May, I believe, we hired our third person. So again, we're raising our abilities and the things that we can do within our unit. But it just it creates more demand. So that's kind of how it's changed. Um, we're moving in more to the video realm because the person we hired last year has those skills. So, you know, our team has kind of brought with it each their own skill set. 
Now, when you started six years ago, um, I believe your Twitter following, and correct me if I've got the platform wrong, was around 3,000 people, and now it is around 50,000 plus uh, followers. Is that right? Yeah, I think we're at just uh, 56,000, 53,000 right now. Yeah, when I started, we were at 3,000. Wow, that's incredible. Um, now, how, how did you make such exponential growth in six years? Well, it all kind of goes back to that thought that people have a curiosity about police, and we really wanted to dispel myths and that CSI effect that I mentioned before. Right. So it was kind of taking people inside a little bit. We offered our online um, community uh, chats with the chief. So we did something called, um, I can't remember the hashtag I used, but Ask SPS. And we did a series. Oh, of, and so we did with traffic, we did it with break and enter, we had a couple with the chief. Um, and those were really well received to try and, or to successfully get people talking and, and understanding a bit more of what we do. Um, we continued that, um, and, you know, we branch into, to different tactics, I suppose, but, um, it's all about trying to, to explain what we do and kind of take the, the mystery surrounding policing and let people know we've also done or really worked to highlight um, you know, the, the social aspect of what we do, community policing, as opposed to just responding to, you know, events where people are sometimes at their, at their lowest point. Right. Do, can you talk a little bit more about, um, chats with the chief and, uh, was that an online initiative and what was it about and what was the purpose of it? Yeah, so uh, logistically, um, we, the chief and I sat at my desk and um, we had the Twitter up and we prefaced it with, you know, hey, from this time to this time, we're going to be chatting or the Chief Wayhill is going to be here to take your questions and answer them. And he really enjoyed that, actually. And one of his comments to me was, this is great because you actually have a few minutes to think and put together an accurate response. Whereas if you're talking to the media, you don't necessarily get that time right. or even members of the community at events he was at. Yep. So he, he appreciated that medium and, and saw value. And, you know, one of the ways that that translated um, was it was about five years ago and we had an allegation come in overnight and it was quite, damning to the police service given our history and the chief came into my office the very first thing the next morning and said we need to address this on social media so that to me like wow he really buys in and he he got it that's really impressive Mm -hmm. Um, that was a win for me (laughs) yeah and you know one of the things i like about your approach is you know, you're really looking at humanizing the the police service, and yes, there's been you know a history of uh, policing in Saskatchewan, um, but um, the more you can connect with the people, I really love that uh, that kind of ask me anything format uh, that you had yeah. with the chief there. That uh, that is really cool. Do do you notice on 
Twitter, there is a particular audience that follows you, meaning you notice that like mainstream media goes there for information or it's the general public or what does your audience look like? It's a bit of both. Um, you know, it's interesting when you look at those analytical tools that are available on those platforms. Um, when I look at Twitter, for example, it'll tell me that most of our followers, mobile phones are SaskTel. Right. So it's interesting to, to see some of that and know, okay, well they are at least majority local. Yep. Um, but, you know, lots of our media, uh, for sure. I know that they have alerts set for for our tweets specifically, and we'll often get, <laughs> that's, I suppose, another thing is um, what we put on social media and we do for ourselves um, to promote our, our service um, also can translate into media stories. And they're ones that we haven't pitched or anything like that. But it's just simply the act of putting them out on Twitter and within a few minutes we'll say, hey, we saw this tweet go out. We'd love to talk to somebody about it. Ah, uh, very cool. Yeah, it, it translates that way. Um, one thing I noticed, um, and this was a few years ago as well, um, we had a Canada-wide Hells Angels run come into town. I remember. And, and we had a, a bunch of enforcement and um as they were coming into town and we posted a, a very powerful picture of an officer um, stopping a motorbike and she's got her hand out in front of her to, to signal them to stop. And it was a picture taken by our, our paper here. And I posted it to social media and keeping in mind, this is like within my first year of being on this job. And we had comments of people saying, oh, the Hells Angels are great. They're teddy bears, or they deliver teddy bears and do charity drives. And then we had people saying the Hells Angels are drug dealers and um, up to bad things, kind of, whatever. And then people were critical of us. People were supportive of us. And throughout that, it was really interesting to me to see that the self-moderation that happens um, mm. on some of our posts, mm. it required a few clarifying comments from me but otherwise I kind of just let it play out and it was it was very interesting to see the the support that we had from people um, sticking up for our actions oh wow that is a result of a engaged community online uh, and uh, a result of of having good uh, passionate people in your community Uh, and that's great uh, standpoint um, or a great point to uh, just note there that you let the community manage themselves and um, you didn't feel you had to jump in there and, and manage and, you know, kind of digitally spank anybody or course correct. Mm-hmm. Just the people kind of uh, just discuss the topics amongst themselves. And um, that's a that's a great way to um, let the community uh, work with each other. Well, I think as a community manager, like of those of those online platforms, you you have to to some extent, um, unless there's there's information out there that needs to be corrected. I my approach is that I can't be heavy-handed in monitoring and removing comments. It's it's people's thoughts and opinions, and who am I to tell them that they're wrong necessarily? That's right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's a very large part of how I manage our social media from a, from a whole perspective. Right. So do you have any issues of having to, um, 
translate or communicate the severity of negative comments. Um, so, sorry, let me ask you a way better question than that. Um, in uh, so, in my experience working with uh, nonprofits and and large oil and gas companies um, and a few other contentious brands, that uh, is that there can be one or two people who are yelling uh, who don't represent the majority of. Uh, the people, but they are yelling so loud that um, executives and other people looking at the account think that um, their social media accounts are going to hell in a handbasket, uh, when in actuality it's just one or two people that are just uh, constantly voicing their opinion. So my question to you is, uh, does that happen with a police force? Is there you know more negativity than positivity, or how do you how do you put context um, to the information that's coming in given that there's probably a whole bunch of it and um uh and there may be misrepresentation for the good or the bad um depending Mm -hmm. who's being as vocal uh or depending on who's being vocal so how do you manage that and put context to okay this is actually a a concern versus oh this is some guy who's just mad and yelling online yeah um okay so i've got a couple of examples because well, one is a personal one to the police service here. Um, kind of what you described. I'm not sure if you were. I don't think you were in Regina at the time, but they had a the police service there had a very um, an incident where they shot a dog, and they received. A, they were inundated with um, with messages of hate and threats against officers to the point that their executive, um, or was it their union? I I don't know who made that order, but they shut down their Facebook page as a result. Mm. So I'm not going to speak to that, but it does, you have that, right? Because in policing, you have people that understand social media and you have people that don't. Um, and so it's, it's trying to limit that. The example from here um, actually happened last November, and we were hosting, um, and I don't mean we hosted the event. It was held in our building in partnership with the um, Muslim community here in Saskatoon, and it was um, an open house kind of come and ask questions, um, try some food, and we had posted about it. Um, because that's that's one of our our goals as a service um, to be reflective and support the communities that live in Saskatoon. And we I posted about it, and we were met with um, such vitriol, I suppose, uh, in response to us allowing them to use our building for this purpose. Mm. And it was really quite surprising to me. Um, there wasn't, I think everybody was, including our executive, were a little shocked at what we had experienced online. Now that said, um, that was one of the conversation or one of the posts, I suppose, where I was very heavy handed in removing comments, Mm. uh, as you also have to, as a communicator, I think balance, you know, what's also going to hurt the community is leaving this comment up, even though it doesn't violate our terms of use necessarily, but, um, is it 
doing more harm than good to our community. And so that was something I really struggled with. It also, so that was the post pre event. And then the day of, we did a Facebook live event and we, uh, he's since moved on from the service, but at the time we had a Muslim officer. And so I got him to do a bit of like a, a host. Um, he was trying food, telling people what they could do. Um, all very positive, but the number of comments that came in, it was really staggering. It was very overwhelming. Um, it never got to the point where our executive said like, shut it down or anything. I have very good support from our executive in terms of, um, they trust that I'm the expert in managing these platforms and knowing how to handle them. So they value my opinion in that. Um, this particular incident was something unlike I've ever seen uh, or experienced before. Um, and it, it was very hard as a communicator to keep up and kind of, kind of manage. It went off the rails a little bit. Yeah. I imagine in that scenario also uh, remaining as unbiased as possible would be difficult when you're um, brushing up against views that may be a bit discriminatory or unfair in accordance to your own values and ethics. Um, So you really have to take yourself out of your own opinions, I would imagine. Also also your mental health. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, I, I 100% relate to that. In uh, especially working in the oil and gas industry, uh, mm-hmm. you can just be fire hose with negativity and hate, yeah. and if that is all you are seeing for hours yeah. at a time, uh, a person can go crazy pretty quickly. Yeah, and I guess just to dial it back to your question, um, in terms of who these people were, uh, I mean, the comments came in almost too quick and with too much fury to have a look at who was posting them. Right. The few that I did, I mean, there were just some comments that said, um, there was one, Oh, not even an American flag in the gym. Like what it, like, what is this? And so to me that says, well, you're, you're not from here. And there were a few others. So I feel that those comments weren't necessarily reflective of our community. Um, I've certainly dealt with my fair share of, of trolls, but generally we've got, uh, a pretty good relationship with our online community and that, that comes with a lot of work. So, um, a few years ago, there hasn't been one in a while, but, um, those meetups that used to happen, yeah. um, I would go, I was invited off social media one time. Hey, it'd be nice to meet the, the person that does the, uh, social media for the police. And so I would go to those and I would talk to people and tell them, um, you know, how I did things, why I did things, why I could say things and then not say things. Um, and I feel that that really helped to, to build that relationship. Yeah, that is six years in the making, uh, these relationships and six years to, uh, build a community that kind of supports. I, I find that people, um, fanatics on either end of the spectrum, so fanatics that are anti something or fanatics that are pro something, aren't particularly helpful or useful in a community. And people can, uh, people are pretty smart and can sift through that. It's it's the people in the middle that uh, really are engaged and thoughtful and and, and rational and 
And so sometimes when somebody's yelling in the, if somebody came into our, our office uh, and just started yelling, everybody would th- pretty much think that they were crazy. And so, you know, we would deal with that um, uh, accordingly. So I, I feel the same as with online. Um, when somebody's yelling and being rude or racist or or mean or calling other people names, I, I think the community can uh, see through that pretty quickly. The benefit that you have is that your community will help help you police uh, uh, those people. And that's, that's a real treat to have when you've spent so much time investing in the people in your community. For sure. And I think what I always say in all the training that I do, like for our members, is that, you know, social media is a tool. It's it's never going to replace that face-to-face communication because that's where you'll build a stronger relationship. But it certainly helps to lay that foundation and not just with one person, but on a one-to-many type scale. Um, I, I equate it when I do training to, you know, you carry a duty belt full of tools to help you do your jobs. This is just another tool. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Kelsey, uh, there are only about 400 more questions I have to ask you, but unfortunately we don't have the luxury of, uh, I don't have the luxury of uh, asking you them, uh, at least in this um, uh, podcast episode. Uh, So let's end this on two things. Uh, First is, uh, do you have any advice for anybody in any industry that is um, trying to build a community on social media? Oh, um, I would say don't shy away from the hard things. I mean, that's where you can really build those relationships. If your community sees that you're willing to to talk to them about something that might be uncomfortable, you can build a lot of credibility and trust with that. Great. That is very sound advice. Uh, The second question is, how do people get a hold of you? Uh, you can reach me on Twitter uh, at Kelsey Fraser, and Kelsey is K E L S I E Fraser F R A S E R. Sorry, that's just kind of habit when I do interviews. They always ask me spell your first and last name, please. <laughs> um, or um, by email, Kelsey Fraser at police Saskatoon sk ca. Otherwise, uh, anything else? I don't think so. I think that's it. That was fun. I liked that. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, Let's do it again sometime uh, later this year. Sounds good. 